we see lightnings and thunderings and voices present at the giving of the law. So this is not an unusual thing when God speaks. My friends, we better have a reverence and respect for the power of God. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, as well as the host of In Grace Radio and TV. Welcome to In Grace, and today we're going to be studying about the throne room of God in our series, Armageddon's Dawn, and I am so excited about this. Yesterday, we set the stage as we started to look in Revelation 4 about the throne room scene. Today, I'm going to pull your attention over to Timothy's attempt to describe it, and the words that are used to try to describe the awesome throne room of God are inadequate, I fear. But that's all we have. We have language. We have the English language, and, and we're going to use the best words that we can. Of course, the best words come right from God in the Bible, and uh, I'm so excited about the future, about what God is going to do, what God is doing today from his throne. He's in charge, and as the world seems to fall apart, I am so thankful that he is still in control. And one day, all rebellion and all sin will be put down, and he will rule and reign Jesus, the Son of God, from the throne of David on this planet. Oh, I'm so excited about Bible prophecy, and I hope you are as well. We've got a really neat prophecy chart that I would love to send to you. It's going to really help you visualize all the things that we're talking about in the series that we're in, the study of Revelation, the end times, Armageddon's dawn. And it's a prophecy chart that we call Armageddon's dawn. It's absolutely free. Just call us at one 800 grace or go to ingraceradio.com. You can print it out at home if you want to or view it on your smart tablet or your smartphone or just ask us to mail you a copy. We'd be happy to do that, absolutely free. And then when you go to our website, ingraceradio.com, we have other great Armageddon's Dawn prophecy resources. We have a, a large audio sermon series. All of my sermons on Revelation are there, Armageddon's Dawn audio series. We have an eight-part video series there, so check all that out. Let me also tell you about the very special video of the month. For your gift of any amount, we'll send you the question to rebuild the Jewish temple three-part video series. We filmed the red heifers in Texas and in Israel. We filmed from the land that was secretly purchased on the Mount of Olives to do the red heifer sacrifice. We went in a tour of the Temple Institute, the people preparing for the future temple. We went on the Temple Mount and we got a guide that showed us inside Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock. And of course, he would not be in favor of the Jewish temple. But these resources, I think, will really help you understand what the Bible has to say about the future and the end times. The quest to rebuild the Jewish temple is for your gift of any amount. The prophecy chart is free. Now let's get into our study today, Throne of Thrones, in our series, Armageddon's Dawn. So we have this incredible scene, so incredible and so awe-inspiring. Young Timothy tried to describe it. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate. I love that word, potentate. We don't use that too often, do we? My wife will call me that sometimes. I'm just like, Karen, 
Call me Lord. Don't call me potentate, you know. <laughs> King of kings. This is Jesus. Lord of lords, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light. That's why you cannot look upon God in glory. You cannot look upon this throne. You cannot look upon this figure of the throne. The actual person of the Father is obliterated by light. It's so bright. It's like looking at the sun. You can't do it. That's the glory of God and his righteousness. Can we get that picture in our minds and then when we're going through that trial, can we come back to this scene and say, he's on the throne and he's glorious and he's good and he's got my back. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto whom no man hath seen nor can see to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. That's a wonderful way to describe this. But it's really hard to describe this. It's really hard to imagine this. It's really hard to paint this. Incredible. The scene of the throne of God. The power of God. And you say, well, hey, a second, Pastor. You're saying that Jesus is a friend uh, closer than a brother. I can call God Abba, Father. That's Daddy. And you'll hear little uh, Hebrew Jewish kids, Abba, Abba. You'll hear this also with the little Arab kids, Abba, Abba, Daddy. How can we call him daddy and friend and brother when we can't even look upon him? It's an interesting, isn't it? But it's true. He's there for you. He's personal. He wants you to know him. He wants to talk with you and walk with you. But in his glory, he is mighty and majestic. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that. Look at verse 4 of Revelation 4. And around about the throne were four and 20 seats. What? Why 24 seats? And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Who are these 24? Who are these people? These 24 elders. We're going to see them coming up in the future in our study of Revelation, our study of Armageddon's dawn. Who are these people? We actually don't know. My best guess, this just makes sense to me, that since there were 12 apostles and since there were 12 tribes, that this is a combination of all God's people. God's people up till the cross and after the rapture is Jewish, the nation of Israel. 24 elders. I believe it's just a representation of the church and of Israel, all God's people together worshiping him. We're going to find that they're casting their crowns. And some have said, and maybe both are right, and this is kind of interesting, could this be a rotation? I mean, we have all eternity to worship the Lord and of the millions of people that have received the gift of eternal life, and I hope the number's in the millions, I'm thinking it would be, would we have a chance to sit on one of those seats with the crowns that we weren't worthy of, but we've lived a faithful life and we've received a crown at the judgment seat of Christ, and maybe we can sit there on a rotation and cast our crowns at his feet? I don't know. I don't know. But imagine that. But no matter how majestic this scene is, we know that there's a storm Approaching. Look at the next verse 
in Revelation 4, 5, it starts off by saying, out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. A storm is coming. Reminds me of an Indian tribe living in modern society, and they asked their chief, you know, what type of winter are we going to have? Well, the chief had not kept up with the ancient way, so he really had no clue how they would know if it's going to be a bad winter or not. He didn't know all the things that they looked at, so he just says, yeah, it's going to be a cold winter, right? Better play it safe and go ahead and tell them, you know, prepare, and then if it's not, they actually have prepared, and, but if it is, you know, so yeah, it's going to be a bad winter, he tells his people, and so they go out and start gathering firewood. A few days later, he's curious, and he says, just to be on the safe side, he decides to call up the National Weather Service. He gets a meteorologist on the phone. He said, you know, do you guys know if the winter is going to be colder than normal this year? And the meteorologist says, as a matter of fact, yes, we do believe it's going to be a cold winter. So he goes back to his people and said, man, I really believe that this is going to be a cold winter. Gather more firewood. He wants to make sure, so he calls the National Weather Service again. He says, are you sure it's going to be a cold winter? And the meteorologist is like, yeah, it's going to be a really cold winter. So he gets off the phone. He goes back to his tribe and says, it's going to be a really cold winter. We need to even gather more firewood. And so they do. Now he wants to make one last phone call. So he calls the meteorologist up again and says, are you sure it's going to be a really cold winter? The guy's like, as a matter of fact, we're now predicting this is going to be the coldest winter on the face of the planet. And the chief says, well, how do you know this? He says, well, what we do is we observe what the Indians are doing, and they're collecting a lot of firewood this year. <laughs> Glad you got that one. It's probably actually how they do forecast the weather, right? <laughs> oh. But there is a big storm coming. The other night, laying in bed early in the morning, and I hear... Well, one of the neighbors just blew up, or there's a thunderstorm coming. And if you don't know, we have the Julians as our neighbors, Pastor Mark, so nothing surprises me. But it turns out it wasn't his doing, but it was a thunderstorm. And the sound of the thunderstorm and the lightning, the sight of the thunderstorm, is an indication, first, of the fact there is a storm. It alerts you to a storm coming, and it also alerts you to the intensity of the storm. And man, if it's loud and it's shaking and it's just one after the other, I mean, we got a big storm coming. Well, here we read about thunderings and lightnings and voices. My friends, make no mistake, there's a big storm coming. You had better be prepared for this huge storm. As a matter of fact, we see lightnings and thunderings and voices present at the giving of the law. So this is not an unusual thing when God speaks in Exodus 19, verse 16. There were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet. Isn't that interesting? There that is again. Exceeding loud, so all the people that was in the camp trembled. We better have a reverence and respect for the power of God. Verse 5 in Revelation 4 continues, And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. You say, well, I thought there was one Holy Spirit. There is one, but this is the sevenfold manifestation of the Spirit. We find that in Scripture. And we have here the seven 
manifold manifestation of the Spirit. We have God the Father on the throne. We have the four and 24 elders. We have the choirs of the saints. And we have the four beasts. We'll talk about these more next time. And we have this glass like crystal floor. We have the Son of God coming into the scene in the next chapter. Hard to imagine this scene, but the Spirit of God, think about the Holy Spirit. Think about the Spirit of God is involved in our life today. There's two ways that the Spirit should be part of your life. The first is at salvation when you come to faith that I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and I put my trust in Jesus as my only hope, my only salvation. I have the indwelling of the Spirit at that moment. But now I also need to have a part of my life every day, the fullness of the Spirit. In other words, to utilize the power that I have now in me, I need to be controlled by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is powerful. There the Spirit of God is at the throne of God, the throne of thrones. And that Spirit of God is available to you if you've received salvation. You need to be indwelt at salvation, and you will be if you put your trust in Christ. That happens automatically. But then you need to every day be controlled by the Spirit. Discover more about the Third Temple and its significance in end times prophecy through the incredible resources offered by In Grace and Jim Scudder. Start with our beautiful prophecy chart, delivered straight to you completely free. Plus, when you donate to InGrace, you'll receive the incredible three-part video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple, filmed in Israel. This series is designed to transport you visually and spark your curiosity about the pursuit to build the third temple. For donations of $150 or more, you will also receive a limited edition, original canvas print portraying the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Contact InGrace today at 800-78-GRACE. Explore more on ingraceradio.com or mail InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Unveil the mysteries of the end times and the Jewish temple today. When I think of being controlled, I think of aviation and airplanes are, you know, these big, huge airplanes, but they're controlled by a guy on the ground that says, turn left, you know, 20 degrees, heading of 130, or descend to altitude, you know, 1, 2,000, or whatever it is. The controller is actually controlling the airplane. There was an airplane flying from, I think, the West Coast going to Minneapolis, and as they were flying, they became engrossed in their new iPads. They were just changing over to a paperless cockpit, and they're looking at these iPads, and they're both kind of talking back and forth, and if you fly far enough away from the controller and you miss a few calls, you drop off their signal because it's radio and your curvature of the earth. You're not going to get those signals anymore. And they didn't notice that they weren't being controlled. You know what they did? They flew way past Minneapolis. How did they discover their error? A flight attendant looks down and it's like, that was Minneapolis. And we're not turning around and we're going and going and going. And what in the world's going on? So she calls the pilots, the flight attendant. That airline is no longer an airline. It was Northwest Airlines. I don't think those pilots are flying anymore, hopefully. They were not being controlled. We need to be controlled every day by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 6, Revelation 4, 6. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. I love uh, when you see like a new set 
for television and their floor is just, it's beautiful. It looks like glass and it's reflective. I think that is so cool. That is so neat. And here we have this scene in heaven. Why is it important that this is a sea of glass? Because a sea of glass is perfectly smooth. I love when a lake or an ocean is flat, calm, unless I'm in a sailboat. But it's just so beautiful, not a ripple. It's just incredible. Like you can get out and walk on it, but you can't. But you can't. But this reminds me that in heaven, all the storms of life are over. And we're going to be able to walk on the surface of this crystal sea, just like Jesus did here on this earth. You're going to be able to step out onto that. And all the storms of life are over in heaven. The only time we're going to be able to walk on a sea on this earth, if it's frozen, that's the only chance that we're going to have to walk on a, a sea. But in heaven, it's going to be something that we can do all the time. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be incredible. Can you imagine all this light and all these beautiful colors coming from these gemstones? And then we have it all reflected upon this crystal sea of glass. Wow. Can't wait to see it. I can't wait to go there. I can't wait to be there walking like Jesus walked without any storms to worry about anymore. It's going to be a glorious day. Let me conclude with 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, and it says, to the end, he may establish your hearts. We live in a day that it's like we're going up in a wave and down in a wave, and up in a wave and a down in a wave, and sometimes you can't even see the horizon because you're down in the trough of a wave. Don't get all discombobulated. Let the Lord establish your heart. Settle you. That's one of the greatest things about being a Christian is I see the big picture. I've seen the throne of God. He's on the throne. He's in charge. He's in power. No matter how bad it seems, it's going to be okay. And I can be calm. I'm not saying I'm calm every last second. And I'm not saying I never have doubts and thoughts of, you know, what's going on. But ultimately, I come back to this. And this helps me so much in my life as a Christian to this. God is on the throne of thrones. And let that establish you and settle you, unblameable in holiness before God. Even our Father, think about the Father on the throne at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back, and then he's coming back with you. He's taking you at the rapture. He's coming back with you at Armageddon with his saints. I am in love with the Lord. And his power, his might, his majesty, and how much he wants to know me and fellowship with me and help me. It's incredible. It's incredible. Let's always balance those things. And let us from this scene in heaven better worship the Lord, for he is worthy. He has the worth. He has the value. And the wonderful thing is Jesus is the Lamb. He's going to be presented as the lamb in the next chapter. Why is he the lamb? Because the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world is Jesus. It was typified in all of the sacrifices. And we're going to go to Shiloh. And for 300 years, the sacrifices at the tabernacle happened over and over and over. But when Jesus died, the sacrifices stopped. Because he is the one and final sacrifice. All those other animal sacrifices were a picture 
of his final and ultimate sacrifice. And if I will trust in him one time, I will be saved for all eternity and I will be in heaven. I will get to see this for sure. And I can't wait. God loves you. He loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, which is hell, but have everlasting life, which is heaven. We know a little bit about heaven now. I can't wait to go there. But it's by believing in him, trusting in him. And then Ephesians says, for by grace, I don't deserve it. I'm not holy. I'm the opposite of holy. But by grace are ye saved through faith. Same word as believe. One's a noun, one's a verb. Not of yourselves. This is really where most people get it wrong. They think, I'm a pretty good person. I believe that Jesus died for me, but I'm trusting in my works to either gain salvation or keep salvation. You can't. It's not by works. It's a gift of God. A gift of God. You give a gift. What do you do? You just take it. You receive it by faith, by believing, not of works, lest any man should boast. All of us have sinned. Our sin separates us from him, but he loves us. So what does he do? He sends his son to die for you. His name is Jesus. He lived 2,000 years ago. He was perfect. He was crucified for our sins. He died and he rose again. And anyone who will simply believe in him, watch what happens, will have eternal life. Man, I'm telling you, that's the best news I can ever share with you. I hope we never get tired of that W, witnessing. Yeah, we should work for God. We should worship God. But we need to witness for God. Maybe you want to receive that gift. You want to put your faith in Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do it? This is simple. You can tell the Lord something like this. I'm a sinner. Please save me. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And he died on a cross for my sins. And his blood poured out. And he didn't stay dead. For three days he rose again. He's alive today. I believe in him. He can save you. All you have to do is ask. All you have to do is receive, by faith, salvation. Salvation is attainable, but not by our works, not by our efforts. It's by putting our trust in the one who did it all, the one who was willing and able to pay for our sins. His name is Jesus. He is God in the flesh. He died and he rose again and he wants to save you and just receive him by faith. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But right now, I believe that Jesus died for me. And if you'll do that, the Bible says you will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the great news. That's the good news of the gospel. Just before I mention a couple resources that I think will really help you understand the end times and Bible prophecy, let me wish my very wonderful, amazing wife, Karen, a very happy birthday. And I won't tell you how old she is. I've learned my lesson, but uh, I think she's 29 again. Uh, may God bless you, my dear Karen. Also, let me tell you about some really great Bible prophecy resources. One is absolutely free. It's our Armageddon's Dawn prophecy chart. You want to get that as we go through the series. By the way, tomorrow we're going to take a break for Valentine's Day. We're going to talk about God's love for a few days, but we're going to come back to Armageddon's Dawn. And you'll want this series chart 
Armageddon's Dawn for free. We also have a video series about rebuilding the temple. As the Bible in the end times says, there will be a rebuilt Jewish temple. And we have a three-part series that we filmed about the Red Heifers, about the Temple Mount, the Dome of the Rock. And this is for your gift of any amount to keep In Grace going, to keep this on the radio and on television. We're going to thank you for that generous gift by sending you the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. We also have some great other resources about Bible prophecy on our website, ingraceradio.com, or call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. Unveil the mysteries of the end times and the Jewish temple today. Start with our beautiful prophecy chart, completely free. When you donate, you will receive our three-part video series, The Quest to Rebuild the Jewish Temple. And for donations of $150 or more, receive a limited edition canvas print portraying the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. Contact InGrace today at 800-78-GRACE. Go to ingraceradio.com or mail InGrace at P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio.